0: Hello, and welcome to the One Board Podcast. I am Rick White, and with me, as always, is a man who has argued tirelessly with the government that board game shops are necessary businesses to stay open. It's Ryan Gatowski. How are you, Ryan?
1: They're essential to our livelihood, Rick White, and I will stand before yes. Congress and make my case yet again.
0: Yes. Unfortunately, they're not like available right now. So you're just kind of standing out in open park areas and just kind of screaming right now,
1: which is what I usually do to the squirrels in my neighborhood. Yes, that is true. This one, I think is a lot more focused than my normal squirrel. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Rick, as you have seen, so here's the deal. Let's Let's lay all our... This is a board game podcast. Let's lay all our cards yes. on the table, Rick White. So this That's is... That's what you do. This is all my cards. Games. Listen listen to my cards. I, I don't have any cards near me. Listen mm. to all my cards. I'm putting them on the table.
0: You can just add it post-credits. Nobody will know. No, or just, post uh, in editing.
1: I dropped two DVDs. That was close enough. Oh, okay. I'm slowly going insane. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Certainly. Our we, time before we started recording will prove that. Yes. I, will, I will roll the tape.
1: <laughs> so I think I'm slowly dipping into madness. I've been in front of computers too long, which is a problem. Um, yeah. And I haven't had I'm – I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm real extroverted. And I like people. I like being around people. I like giving hugs and, and fist bumps and uh, playing board games. And I haven't done any of that crap in a while. So, little, a yeah. little struggling over here, but
0: Yeah, and Aaron has said if you hug her one more time, she will leave you. So that, Yeah, um, she's she, she's
1: threatened to punch me. Yeah. But, but yeah. she also so made it's bread. Getting, so. It's getting rough. She made bread today, oh, nice. which is, yeah, it's very delicious. It was, mm. Yeah. Actually, good. you know if what? If it had
0: been bad bread, like, that could have led to some awkwardness that's hard to escape because you can't leave the house
1: yeah yeah that's true if it tasted terrible and i was like this is all i can make a sandwich with i'll slowly be spreading yeah. the pb and j all over the bad bread while i sob i yeah. the moisturized maybe your tears will tears. make it taste better yeah um yeah. actually i'm gonna um, if i remember i probably won't i'm gonna submit the uh the bread recipe that we used in the show notes so if you you know yeah. what this is the breadcast talking about that's what people want people came here for lord games what they got is cooking have you got so have you guys made anything cool since you guys have been in in quarantine
0: yeah we've done a few things i did i posted on twitter the other day that i did um for breakfast i did a scrambled egg recipe from gordon ramsay and then a rice pudding recipe from with rice cooked according to an alton brown recipe and the rice pudding made from—I don't know if you watch Good Mythical Morning, but yes. the guy that runs the kitchen, Mythical Chef Josh, has been doing some quarantine videos. So he did one on stuff to do with rice. So we made a big old pot of rice and have been doing some of his recipes.
1: That's really cool. That's awesome. Yes, and it's been good. That's good. Yeah, we. Uh, so Aaron made bread recently. Uh, Kendall made a couple cakes. cakes. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't think we've done anything crazy experimental. We busted open the grill, made some burgers the other night. Um, yeah. So
0: you're for, going for that quarantine 30 pound weight gain is what you're shooting uh,
1: Dude, for. it's going to be real bad. Here's the deal. We all know that when we get out of this thing, we're going to be a lot fatter. We're going to be slightly uglier. Uh, our hair, yeah. our hair is going to be disheveled you know um but you know yeah. what everybody's in the same boat you know we're we're all in you know the what? ugly then, boat.
0: then you know what i might fit in better Is what i'm saying like this will this will work yeah. for me
1: this is gonna um, level the playing field for a lot of people
0: sweet so, that's yeah. what we're looking forward to all right ryan so yep. uh i've been told this is a board game podcast so um i guess we should talk about board those games. people so,
1: were dirty liars
0: oh well then this is this is about raccoons um but uh this if, if this was raccoons. a board game po- yeah if it was a board game podcast we might talk about what we've been playing so ryan yeah what have pretend. you been playing
1: let's pretend we've been playing stuff um so yeah. prior to the quarantine uh we Picked up the expansion for Unmatched, uh, the Bigfoot, and one of the expansions, Bigfoot versus Robin Hood, and it is very good. So first of all, I really dig the fact that Robin Hood and Bigfoot are are very different characters. Um, Bigfoot's brute strength, uh, he's got the jackalope with him uh, fighting on his side, and he's pretty awesome. He hits hard and runs around. Um Robin Hood has a band of four bandits with him. Aaron loves playing Robin Hood. Like, she has gotten really good playing Robin Mm. Hood. And so the bandits, uh, they actually can take away cards from you and stuff and make you have some pretty tough decisions with their card, their deck of cards. Uh, It's a very good expansion. Like I'm very, I'm a huge fan of unmatched. And in fact, if you are listening to this about the time when it's released, uh, you can actually go over to our YouTube page or our Facebook page. We're doing a thing during the quarantine. Uh, We're actually doing a thing called Friday night fight where Aaron and I go head to head or toe to toe with, two different unmatched characters. So it's been, uh, we had our first episode last Friday and it was a man, that was a crazy fight. Uh, it came, t- came down to the wire. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but watch the first round of Friday night fight. Uh, it was, it was a barn burner, if you will. So I don't know why a that's barn a Barn burner. What is a barn burner? Yeah. What is, was that a thing that like,
0: well, I mean, we've been talking to you about your arson, uh, issues that's and true. And how we need you to stop lighting so many barns on fire. That's so, true. Uh, the
1: whole countryside. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's getting a little, getting a little annoying. Yeah. Um, anyway,
1: <laughs> so that's one of the things we've been playing. What about you, Rick?
0: Well, one of the things I've been playing, sir, uh, I've been... Sarah and I have been doing some... Uh, playing online, uh, in person a little bit. So, um, one thing that we played was the third edition of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, nice. which is, uh, Carlton House and Queens Park. So, um, yeah, I, we like Sherlock Holmes. We've talked about it a lot. Really good game to play. Um, as a couple um and it could be a nice thing for people to get away from computers i think it's a really good quarantine game for families Mm -hmm. uh for like your family kids that are about your kid's age would probably be best um uh they've also something that's pretty cool i think they've released um so the game comes with a case 10 case books and each case book has newspapers and it has a big map that you use for the whole game and it's got um Uh, a directory so that you can know where to find certain people. Um, And those have been, uh, the case books are the only thing that have not been released online. So basically if one of your friends owns the game, uh, you can play, you know, with a bunch of people all uh, through like zoom or Google hangout or something like that. And they can look at the, look at the maps, look at the newspapers, all that kind of stuff, which I think is pretty cool. And I think this would work really well. Um, so, uh, Carlton house, the difference here, uh, so the first version of the game was just standard cases. Second version had four cases that were Jack the Ripper, which kind of built on each other. That was not my favorite way to play. Okay. Um, this one in Carlton house, they've got, um, this mansion that is a part of the game that, you has its own locations and stuff. And so what you're doing is you're looking like at this blueprint of the mansion and trying to figure out like, how might a suspect move through the mansion or how might, you know, where do certain people reside in the mansion and stuff. And so that's pretty cool. Um We've done one case so far and that added a nice little wrinkle. It has this weird, like real estate tour that goes along with the mansion that you can read. And it kind of explains the layout of the house. It was really nice uh, to kind of get yeah. a better understanding of the house, because it is huge. There's like, um, shoot, there's probably 80 different locations in that house that you could check yeah. out. Um, so, I mean, it's it helps to kind of understand the ways that you can move through the house and stuff. But that was a pretty good case, so I'm excited about the rest of it. And then there's another kind of area called Queens Park. That I think are the other or like half of the cases as well. So I'm excited about that. So it's a good one. It's a good, That's good version cool. of the game. And so we'll be playing some more of that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we've thought about breaking out into some of uh, playing some Chronicles of Crime and things like that um, because uh, there's still a couple cases that we haven't played. So we may end up doing that this week. Um, I have been playing a new Roland right and i uh, been really enjoying it, Oh, that, snap, Rick.
0: of course you have.
1: Yeah. so That's what uh, you do. Yeah, I'm working on the review for Truck Off the Rollin' Right. Um, this is a game that was originally, Truck Off was a card game, and I think, Rick, you actually had this, uh, you had won a couple, copy a couple years back, but the Truck Off Rollin' Right is actually, it's really cool. I've never played the card game, but where this one really makes its mark is that, you have um, I think it's five it's six different die dice that you roll during a turn and those die are different sides so a four-sided dice uh, six-sided die eight side 12 side 20 up goes up to a 20 and um, each of those die are Are representative of different stops on your little map where your truck is going to be going through the city, uh, stopping off and feeding patrons. And so it's your decision to whether or not you're going to take certain dice um, early or later in the round. Um, As you go through, it's got this almost, it's got the snake um, pattern up at the top and the game lasts 12 rounds or more, depending on, it's got to at least last 12 rounds, but it, the decision-making in this one's really tough because you can have something where I kind of think of Quirkle in the same vein where, oh man, I really need that number, but I'm passing up three, four, five scoring opportunities. If I take that number, that's just premium right now. You know, um, it, it mm-hmm. really gives you, it makes, it gives you some tough decisions to work with based on your roles. And one thing that works out really well is that we actually played truck off the roll and write with some friends over zoom, uh, just probably about a week, week and a half ago. Uh, it was a Friday night and we just, you know, we were sitting around and I said, you know what, let's get a couple of people on, on a webcam. And all you have to do is see the dice essentially. And that's it. And so we had a mm-hmm. great time playing yeah. the game. It was really good.
0: Nice. Yeah, um, rolling rights have been going really well Yep. Um, in Zoom calls and stuff like that. Yeah, I had Truck Off. I can't remember anything about it. Uh, excuse me. Gosh, I got to wake up, Ryan. Ah, 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 ah. Sorry, just smacking myself a bit. Um, so, um, yeah, I had the game. I don't remember much about it. Um, I think it was one of those that... Didn't make it to the table, so it ended up at a board game flea market. But, yeah, the art was always really cool. The concept was really interesting, and it sounds like the Roll and Write is a really cool execution of it. You know, some things I think Roll and Write just gives you, I don't know, I like it as a genre. I think it's able to execute a lot of different themes and stuff really well. And, you know, the idea that you can include so many people in one game is really good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Not quite tired of it yet. I'm yep. not obsessed with it like you and Bob are, but, you know, I, I enjoy mm,
1: it. We do have a problem.
0: Yeah. Ryan, the other day, I just scared the dog saying your name like that. Uh, <laughs> the other day, me, you, and Bob uh, learned uh, the King's Guild on yes. Board Game Yeah, you arena, taught us. Or I yep. taught you guys the King's Guild. Yeah, and I think since then we played it with uh, Seth and Mondo as well. Uh-huh. Um, we played around. Um, but the King's Guild is a game that I, I started doing Board Game Arena a while back, and then like at the beginning of this year, I think actually kind of during my Christmas break, I started playing on there a little bit more. Uh-huh. And this was a game on there that, I, that really caught my attention, and it's one that I really, really, really like. Um, I totally missed the Kickstarter for it. Um, it's a game that I had heard nothing about. And so when we, when I started playing it on board game arena, I was like, this is a solid game. It really um, is. it's yeah. kind of got, it's got a little bit of splendor vibe to it. Got a little bit of, you know, uh, resource management kind of thing. I don't know what, what games does it remind you of whenever you play?
1: I don't know. It's, it's got a lot of, it's got a mix of mechanics. I really like the fact that you're collecting resources at a very slow, honestly, at a very slow pace because you're working Mm -hmm. up towards something. And then something is, somebody could come in there and swipe something out from under you, but you still have to be able to. So what I find myself doing is as I'm collecting these resources, looking at, okay, I want this quest. And then also this quest is viable because it shares some of the same resources. Right. it's a, I think the thing I like about the King's Guild is that it's a very tight game as far as resources mm-hmm. and, and what people can get. Nobody's running away with the game where it's like, oh, he has all the good stuff. Oh, look at how good they're doing. Like, I never felt right. that way in any of the games that we've played.
0: Right, and you can't sit and hoard resources because yeah. then you won't be able to buy anything, so you won't be able to do anything. It's And I think one part of it that I really like is how all the elements kind of weave into each other. Like the um, quests, you know, have these special... Uh, you know, when you have quests, you get items, and there are certain little icons at the top of the cards uh, for the quests that you complete, and um, you can use those uh, icons. You kind of count how many you have, and you can get... Uh, so, basically, you're like heroes. I guess we should explain what that is happening in the game. You yeah. know, your heroes and your of going on quests you get items or you're making items i don't quite follow uh sometimes but in order to make those items to go on those quests or complete the quests you have to collect resources um and you spend the resources when you uh complete a quest uh you get an item uh a particular item based on the type of quest that you completed those items can be things that give you like more resources or they give you more money you also get money when you complete the quests um and money can be used to buy rooms because you also have a tableau where you're kind of building up this little house, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you can build up on your tableau, and those rooms will give you victory points. Um, you also can recruit people, specialists, to be part of your, uh, your group. And so you'll add those to your tableau as well, and they can do things like every time you get resources, you get like one extra of a particular type of resource, or maybe they reduce the cost for making things. Uh, Ryan loves to use the, uh, thief. Is that what it is called? Or the, yeah, the bandit thi- or something? I,
1: th- I think it's a thief. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, Basically he, he's yeah. a
0: big jerk. Yep. Yeah. And, and it means that whenever I, if Ryan puts a particular token on cards, I have to pay him in order to make that particular item. Um, and so all these different things kind of weave together. Um, there's some, you know, you can kind of keep an eye on people of what they're trying to get and maybe try to block them, especially on Board Game Arena where it's easy to kind of go back and look at people's moves and see how many resources they have. Yep. Um, so I am not particularly good at the game. I've probably played it 20 times, um, which is a lot for me for a game like this. Um, I'm not great. I've maybe only won once or twice, um, but it's really fun. I have a good time every time with it. Um, you know, I try different strategies each time I play. Um, I still haven't done very well, but, um, I really enjoy it.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's really a good game. I was not a fan of the artwork and stuff like that. It, it is one that I've never even seen it. Like, I didn't even know the game yeah. until you were like, you need to play this. So if you're on Board Game Arena, go ahead and check that out because it's a really fun game to play. So,
0: Certainly. cool. Well, Ryan, we are going to transition now into an interview. You know, with this quarantine time or social isolation or whatever you call it has been tough on a lot of people. Um, but I am going to sit down and chat with Andrew Miller of and he Games. Um, and talk about something that he's doing with his Kickstarter that is really unique um, and something that I really like and I hope that we see more stuff like this in the board game industry Um, we've already seen board game you know there's been a lot of companies that have been very very generous with print and plays and stuff like that during this time and I definitely appreciate that but I wanted to highlight some of the stuff he's doing um, and kind of give him some recognition for that so on the other side of this break you'll check that out Welcome back. I am here with Andrew Miller of And He Games. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Sitting here, drinking some coffee, talking to you. So, you know, life is good. Um, So, Andrew, I saw a post from you on a Board Game Geek site uh, a while back, and it really got me interested in kind of some of the work you're doing right now. Um, as we find ourselves in quarantine and stuff like that But uh, before we get into all that uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself And kind of what you do uh, in the gaming community Well, I
2: do a lot of things um, <laughs> I tend to be interested in a wide variety of, of, of things And learning new things is always very fun I enjoy novelty And I enjoy just jumping into a new project And, and making something So I end up kind of um, playing in a lot of different sandboxes, right? So I have made the the tabletop games, um, coloring books. Uh, I'm about to launch a video game. I do a lot of different things because it's all really fun. And the difficult part is, like, reducing... The things I want to do down to what I actually can do. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah. And, and I mean, your website, you know, for anti games is full of all kinds of stuff that shows you, you don't quite limit yourself to just one lane of gaming. You're kind of all over the place. Um, but the thing I'm kind of most, uh, intrigued by is, um, it's the Cloud Dungeon. Um, and so tell us a little bit about uh, the Cloud Dungeon and how that came about.
2: Well, it was back in 2015. I was working on various projects I had. Uh was just starting to get into designing tabletop games and be becoming interested in that. And I had several prototypes and I wasn't really committed to any of them and i gave the cloud dungeon to a friend of mine and just, you know, give it a play, let me know what you think and promptly forgot i had given it to him. Okay. And uh several weeks later he came back to me and he said, "Hey, i played your game." It's like, "Oh, the cloud dungeon. Yeah." And um he said his his daughter, his teenage daughter had uh just been in the hospital for a fairly serious surgery. And he brought my prototype along to play with her in the hospital. And he told me, you know, that she's a teenager now. And he said, it had been years since I'd read a book to her or, you know, spent that kind of time together. But when we were playing Cloud Dungeon, it was like we were sitting together, reading a book together, playing a game together, coloring and spending time as father and daughter. And that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that i needed to like drop everything else and commit myself to the cloud dungeon and making it happen because that kind of experience uh is so important and um precious in some sense so. definitely
0: yeah and you know for those that might not be familiar with it it seems like it's kind of like a family's introduction to almost a role-playing game. Something that incorporates things as simple but satisfying as, you know, coloring and using scissors and tape and glue to cut things out and uh, create your character. Um, and But brings it to life in this adventure.
2: It certainly was a, a case of... I looked into making tabletop games and everything that was involved with manufacturing and was completely overwhelmed and bogged down by how how hard it seemed. And so I, I kind of stepped back and I said, what can I make? Um, and well, I'm, I'm trained as a, a graphic designer, so I could make a book. Um, so I had to figure out within that constraint, how can I make something that's a game and a book? And... <laughs> I had seen these they're called Wreck-It journals as browsing mm-hmm. Burns and Noble and you know they're kind of like oh tear out this page and chew it up or you know stand you know step your your foot in mud and step on this page and they're kind of interesting but I uh didn't see a whole lot of value in you know a destroyed book with muddy footprints in it um mm-hmm. But I did see that kind of like, I had this idea of a book that as you play through, it kind of is is destroyed and cut up. Now, you don't have to do that with a Cloud Dungeon, and a lot of people keep their book pristine because I I provide printouts and stuff so that you don't have to cut up the book if you don't want to. But I kind of enjoy that kind of destructible, uh, cut
0: everything up, color it, destroy it, and you know
2: chaos. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like you're telling your story through this, and I mean, when you tell a story some things get left behind. Some things uh, it's it's a a real adventure, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, it's messy, and it's you know, you don't get to choose to do everything, and you have to, you know, make a mess a little bit along the way. Um, I definitely like that feel. Uh, And so one thing that is kind of exciting is that um, the Cloud Dungeon 2 is on Kickstarter right now. Um, so kind of what's what's going on with the Cloud Dungeon 2 that uh, people can get excited about?
2: Well, uh, Cloud Dungeon 2 is something I've wanted to make for quite a while because the Cloud Dungeon is a really good introduction to the system uh, or the way of playing these games where you cut apart the book, you color, you customize your characters with armor and weapons and stuff. But there's a lot of design space there that I want to kind of push out into. And so one of the things that I I realized while I was playtesting the cloud dungeon is everyone has their own character in these games. So everyone is working on their own little creative project. And a lot of times players would get up and they'd walk around the table and look at everyone else's character when they were done, which was a lot of fun. But one of the things I think a playtester mentioned was, boy, I wish we could work on something all together. And so that's what I'm incorporating with the Sunken Dungeon, is in the Sunken Dungeon, you're traveling down under the ocean, and you all have your character cards. You have your, your characters, which will get, you know, colored and destroyed and horrible, ridiculous things will happen to them. But you also have the submarine, which is like a full-page picture of the submarine that you can all work together that you can color that ridiculous things will happen to and that's really what I wanted to push with the sunken dungeon is we all have our own characters that we can you know make any way we'd like to but we also have kind of a shared uh, creative project that we're working on throughout the course of the game that is ours and that is unique to our group you know so at the end, mm-hmm. we will have this submarine that we all worked on together, and that will kind of be a a uh, this piece of art that we all did together. Uh, yeah. Very much a, a lot of the things I do have to do with not only bringing people together because that's you know every tabletop game brings people together, but uh, also encouraging creative play and. Definitely. Um, when I was playtesting Cloud Dungeon and Expelled. Expelled is also a, a pa- uh, papercraft game that's kind of like remedial school for Harry Potter, Hogwarts, basically. <laughs> like, you didn't make it into Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, when I was playtesting these, I would see it over and over again where, a let's say, a, a older person was coming to uh, be a part of playtesting, right? And... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, older in the sense, not a, not a child, right? Because children love these games. They just jump right in. They get it, you know, cutting, cutting paper, coloring. Yeah, this is, you know, the playground that the children are very used to. But uh, a lot of adults kind of, you know, you'd see this guy come up and say, hey, would you like to play test my game? You color your character and stuff. And you'd see him go, you know, put up his hands and a look of panic come into his his eyes he goes no I, I can't draw I can't draw I can't even draw a stick figure you know right and after I you know reassure him that he doesn't have to draw anything he can just you know play the game without doing that you know at the end of the game the guy had you know a, a character who was in a prison outfit was a zombie hallucinating constantly and had a skull for a head you know yeah. so it's really a safe space for adults to be able to explore creativity even if they are uh, intimidated by it or concerned that maybe
0: they um,
2: aren't able to do that, you know.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and I just love... the. I mean, your game is so playful, I think, is what I like about that. You know, for those that think of role-playing games... It has certainly expanded out of the Dungeons & Dragons, Goblins, Elves, you know, Monsters, Universe. There are plenty of other options, but I think people still have this hesitation. And this, there's, you know, this stuff comes in big fat books. And you've got these big long instructions that you have to set up. And that's not what this game has. I mean, and I love just like the simple setup of uh, when I was reading, you know, you roll your dice to figure out things that are Parts of your characters and spoiler Miles. spoiler can i share some of them that i i think are hilarious is that allowed um please do please do (laughs) um just uh sorry my my thing is taking a little while to load but like is a cyborg you know pretty pretty standard um has um is not human but then Other options are has a unibrow or um, has a fake forehead on their head, or (laughs) I think my favorite is has googly dip pip. I don't even know what that is, and I don't think I'm supposed to know what that is. But I just love that idea of you just have a. It's silly. Don't take it too seriously. We're gonna color. We're gonna make these characters out of paper. It's gonna be a great time. And I think in in the moments that we find ourselves right now, there's a lot of families out there we're stuck together. We, let's do something fun together. You know, you're, for many children, they're sitting in front of a computer all day. You know, this gets them away from a computer, sits them with the family. And I think it's really great. Um, you know, one last thing before you go, um, I, I wanted to kind of acknowledge you for how generous you've been during the quarantine time. Um, can you tell people a little bit about what you're offering and, um, not just with your quarantine pack, but also on your Kickstarter? Sure.
2: Yeah. So first of all, if you go to com, I have a quarantine pack, uh, what what I call a quarantine pack, which is, uh, you know, a chapter of the Cloud Dungeon, a bunch of coloring sheets, a bunch of activity sheets that are free and that you can print out. And I also put on that page that, you know, if you're facing difficult times, because of COVID uh, or whatever you can write to me and I'll send you a printable copy of the cloud dungeon for free because you know, I just really want to uh, if people are struggling, I really want to help support them and to do what I can. Um, And in that spirit with the sunken dungeon, I kind of set up the Kickstarter to help support people who are struggling right now. So anyone who uh, writes to me and requests one will get a digital printable copy of the game when it's done. And I I have a sponsor tier where backers can sponsor another person to get a real, a physical copy of, of the book. And the reason I did this is is not only to support people who are having a a tough time of it, but also because it's pretty easy when times are uncertain. uh, It's it's natural even for us to focus on ourselves and our families' needs first. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to take care of our families, but we can kind of overdo it and focus on ourselves too much. And there's no mm-hmm. more um there's no easier way to be miserable than to focus on yourself 24/7 so this is partially just an exercise in me admitting that I'm doing okay because I can be, you know, generous to other people and I want to enable other people who are doing okay to reach out, and to uh, help help other people who maybe aren't doing so well. I I think about, like, you know, when this sort of thing happens, you certainly have to take care of yourself and your family. But then what do you do after that? And that question of what do you do after that? Do I obsess more about how anxious I'm feeling? Do I count my canned goods more or do I mix up a big batch of pizza dough and deliver hot pizza to my neighbors just to try to take care of them and when I do something that's outside of myself when I turn kind of outward again then I'm happier and I get to take care of someone else and I feel more generous for everything I mean I feel more grateful for everything I have because I've just admitted that I have enough and I have more than enough because I can share with someone else. So I wanted to open that up to other people to say, be able to say, I have enough and I have more than enough so I can share with other people. So that's really what I'm trying to do is to enable other people to, to be generous, to share and to turn out from themselves during these uncertain times and to help someone else, even if it's just in a small way.
0: That's awesome. Well, and I've seen our community be very, you know, inspiring as far as how, you know, I'm seeing print and plays all over the place and, you know, some generosity from bigger companies to smaller companies. It's been great to kind of see that. Um, And in a time where finances may not be great for people, but the need to play together is there. Um, it's been really wonderful. So um, I want to thank you for your generosity to our community and all the great stuff that you're doing. Um, if people want to check out your Kickstarter, um, they can look for The Cloud Dungeon 2 on Kickstarter, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, and head over to andhegames.com. That's the word and, the word he, and the word games, um, because I can tell you that if I hear that, I'm wondering what the heck I'm saying. Um, but... Um, <laughs> yeah uh andrew thank you so much for hanging out with us today and sharing a little bit about what you're doing
2: well thank you so much for having me and for doing what you do which is uh, very generous and and very important so i really appreciate you. you thank you have a good one you too
1: have been talking about digital and real games um, a lot lately just because the reality of things is that you may only be able to connect with people digitally. Um, I think it's been really cool because there are platforms now that are available that allow me, you, and Bob, even though we're in different places, to play a game together despite the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, We were going to go through a couple of the games on this list of games that we've played digitally games that we've played in real life in person and how they compare. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think most of our comparisons are probably going to come from board game arena since we've played the most on there. Um, but obviously you can find these yeah. uh, tabletopia, I believe um, tabletop simulator, you know, there's, there's multiple platforms, but I think planet uh, board game arena is where we've played most of our games so far.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I think to me it's not like would I what's uh, what's going to happen after quarantine's over and social isolation is over? You know, board gaming part of it is that interaction part, yes. And so you know, there's a lot of that that we don't really have a choice right now, but it's kind of evaluating that there actually is some strength to some of these digital games that maybe we didn't notice before until yep. we you know kind of had to. Um, so one of them that I wanted to point out first. Um, is Seven Wonders. Yeah. Um, Seven Wonders is a game that I actually am not a huge fan of. Um, I I prefer Sushi Go um, just because I like the artwork more. I think it's a little more streamlined. And mm-hmm. I think what drives me crazy about Seven Wonders is um, it takes up a huge amount of space. And yeah, it yeah. takes up, you know, when you're passing the cards to... You know, from one person to the next, and especially at early turns, like it's it's just cumbersome to me. But I have actually been playing a ton of Seven Wonders on Board Game Arena, and it's because the game goes cool. so fast. Um, you know, you quickly see the cards. You know, on Board Game Arena, every once everybody's made a decision, the cards all show. They go into place on the tableau. It's really clean and easy to see what everything is, you know, what each card is providing for people, and then, you know, all the cards that you have to pick from show up again, and you just pick which card and what you want to do with it. It's so fast, it's so easy, and I think it really takes away the most annoying part to me in Seven Wonders, and that is, I feel like in 20 seconds, I can make a choice, but I end up having to wait forever for anything else to happen, for us to move all the cards yeah. and for that one person to make a decision and everything. So I definitely prefer Seven Wonders digitally. And even after, you know, social I- social isolation is over, I probably will yeah. still just play Seven Wonders digitally.
1: That's cool. Um, a game that uh, that I really like in real life, uh, Dice Forge, um, I, I kind of... I think for the same reasons Dice Forge makes a really good digital game because it kind of handles a lot of the, it kind of streamlines the rules. It gives you a couple choices. Um, Dice Forge is a great game by itself, um, but I really did like how quick, the turns go through in Dice Forge on uh, Board Game Arena. Um, but I will tell you, there is nothing like snapping and unsnapping those dice and recreating your dice and rolling those big, chunky, plastic dice. So, for obviously for oh, yeah. tactile reasons, Dice Forge is way better in hand. But I was, I was really impressed with how Dice Forge translated to the digital arena and how it worked and how it was, it was pretty seamless. Um, I thought that it would be a lot more cumbersome, uh, honestly, when we jumped into our first game about two weeks ago. So Dice Forge is yeah, one definitely I, you need to check out.
0: Yeah, I definitely like Dice Forge digitally. I actually haven't played the, tech, the board game version. I've only done digital. Okay. Um, and it's it's really good. I think I, I, I'm hesitant sometimes with digital games to do dice games just because I don't know. I have this dis I don't like dice sometimes anyway, just because of the randomness factor. And I have this distrust of randomness in a digital format. I'm like, I don't trust that you're actually being random. Um, I'm very, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, I do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm very, very, very skeptical. Are coming to kill us. Um, yeah yeah exactly um it's skynet it's gonna start in our board games and then take over absolutely. from absolutely um, that's how it happens but uh but it's good i think it's fun and you know it's one of those games that you don't obviously luck is involved in how you perform but you can control it a yeah. little bit so if you lose like you can't get too frustrated because you're like uh it's dice you know what are you gonna do yeah, yeah. Um, but it's good i like it and i think um, for the same reason one thing- that
1: you're Oh, I was going to say for the same reason while we're talking about DICE, Can't Stop. We played, uh, we had just a couple minutes before one of us had to jump offline the other night. We just played Can't Stop for a couple minutes. It's so silly, so fun. You know, you're risking, you know, and I I am not suspicious like Rick is of the the motherboards coming to get us. And... (laughs) and be. and cheating at games. Um, but can't stop is, uh, is just silly fun. You're rolling dice and you're trying to take those dice, come die combinations and make things happen with them. Um, in order to get three of your climb, three of the, uh, of the vines. It, it was good. It, it's a fast, fun game. And I actually enjoyed playing it digitally a lot more than I expected. So,
0: yeah, I like can't stop a lot. Um, that's, I think the first time I ever played can't stop was on board game arena. And I ended up a few years back 3d printing my own can't stop game with like a little board and little cones and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because it's, it's, it was easy to make and I wanted to try out our 3d printer uh, at school and I was like, yeah, this will work. Um, and it's fun. I really like it. Um, and like you said, it's quick. Like, I think a big part of it for me Games that can happen quickly are a, are important for me because I don't always have big chunks of time to sit. Sometimes, like yeah, Kings Guild, yeah. takes over an hour usually, and so sometimes I have that time. But uh, if I can squeeze in something, you know, during a lunch break or something like that, that that's what mm-hmm. I can do. It is on Board Game Arena. Um, gotcha. One thing I will say that I certainly prefer a real version of are like card games. Um, yep. So like, and, and part of that's because a big thing with card games is that social aspect like you know trick-taking games part of it is being able to talk a little smack and kind of have that eye contact when you play that one card that's gonna ruin somebody's plan or something like that you know you want to have that element so like um i've tried six nimit on uh, uh board game arena and that's got a bunch of different names um You know, it's got a bunch of different versions, but basically where you put cards down and you don't want to, you've got like four groups of cards, you put cards down in ascending order and you don't want to put down the sixth card in a group or you got to take them all kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I really like that part of the game where you're surprised that you ended up having to take a group just the way that the cards got laid out. Like In real life, having somebody do that, you're like, oh, you sneaky, and it's kind of fun. But when it just happens digitally and there's nobody to look at, you're like, that was frustrating and annoying. Like, I I just lose any pleasure at all in the game. Um, So I I kind of have the same thing with Red. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Also with card games, I really like having a card game in my hand. You know, shuffling mm-hmm. the cards and reordering them and what do I want to put. Sometimes I find myself whenever I play in a card game, putting a couple cards on the table and being like, I think this is my next turn. You know, so I think card games like that, uh, I would I would imagine holding the cards makes it for a better game.
0: Yeah, and and like Red Seven was the other one I tried out that it really didn't work for me on Board Game Arena. The one card game I've really liked is, um, I mean, I guess you can call Seven Wonders a card game, so that one. Um, But uh, Lost Cities I've really enjoyed on Board Game Arena. Um, I think it's, again, partially because it's quick and I can take my turns really fast. Um I would say I kinda equally can do digital or in person version of lost cities i i I like that one a lot on okay Board cool Arena. yeah
1: um I would say uh there's the game Takedo. is uh Takedo is a very chill very you know wandering across the uh Japanese countryside. Um, Takedo makes for, I think the elegance of that game translates very well to digitally, uh, digitally, and it's not a high stress game. So I can see sitting there playing online and just sipping some tea and hanging out. So I think that one's a good translation. And that's one that you've actually yeah. played a couple times, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Takedo is one of my favorite board games and, um, I've played the app version a few times just kind of hanging out. I mean, solo mode, but I mean, it's beautiful app. If you like playing board games on apps, that's one that I highly recommend. Um, I'm also into Castles of Mad King Lugwood right now, which is really freaking hard and I am going insane. But, um, anyway, uh, Takedo is pretty fun on board game arena. Um, and then, uh, yeah, one more that we, you know, you learned and played and I'm, you and I are actually in a, uh, in a, turn-based match right now against each other um, is Quantum. Uh, our yeah. buddy Seth taught us Quantum. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like dice movement. It, it looks so much more basic than it really is. Um, you know, you're just moving dice around this very basic board, but, like, there are so many... I've never seen more button options at the top of a game of things I can do on my turn than I do in a game yeah. of Quantum. Yeah, um, And it's one of those things, like, you and I were talking about before the podcast started is like there's some turn-based games where like I would say in quantum, I forget what my plan was uh, by the time my turn comes back around in a yeah. turn-based game. Cause on board game arena, you can play it to where you don't all have to be sitting at the table. It's just when you log in, if it's your turn, you'll sit and take your turn and then you wait until the next person does it. It could be hours. It could be a day. But like with that game, I have just, it's like I'm starting the game over each time. I've just completely forgotten what I did my previous turn and my, and that's mostly a me thing. I just lose my focus. I think I would prefer that to be in person, real, just, I I think because there's so many options, it's tough for me to handle it all in a digital format.
1: Yeah. Quantum is good. Um, I definitely feel like I would enjoy, I, I, So we're playing a turn-based game now, and then the real-time game we played uh, about a week ago plus. I enjoyed the real-time game much more because I felt like there was some tension there of like, okay, I see the move that you just made. I know where you're going. I think I know what you're trying to do. But now it's like six hours to go by, and then you jump in, and you're like, meh. Okay, I think yeah. was that where they were? I don't know. They have a new thing on the board, right. and so and I think that's. I don't know that I prefer that in any game, honestly. Um, right. I will tell you that. Uh, so, Seth, our, our friend, taught us how to taught me how to play Clans of Caledonia. Um, that is a great game. I think that the digital version of that actually. I haven't played the physical version. I could see owning it because it's a very, very good game. But I think the setup time for that game would be monstrous. Mm -hmm. You know, people talk about people talk about spending 30 minutes setting that game board up, you know? And so I think the digital version actually has a leg up on, on the actual physical version, setting it up and all that stuff. I would definitely play it in either way. But I don't know if I would own it because of all the little pieces and stuff like that. I'm fine playing it on Board Game Arena and and getting my fill that way. So,
0: well, and that's the thing with like Kings Guild is like I would I love that game. Yeah. I like it so much, but I could not really see myself owning a copy. Price for one, but then second, like the people I play games with in person probably wouldn't play that as well with me. It's people on Board Game Arena that are more gamery people that I think would enjoy that game. So I do think, especially for, if you're like me, like I don't have a lot of friends that do more of the like, you know, core like clans of, Ca- I don't know anybody that would play clans that I see on a regular yeah. basis. So if I want to play games like that, this is a really cool place to do that. Um, I have been able to take some time, sit and learn new games. I played uh, Terra Mystica for the first time yep. the other day. Uh, which is highly regarded on Board Game Geek and, you know, a really good game. I got slaughtered uh, when I was playing, but um, it's a really good game. But I would probably, I, first off, don't know anybody that owns it. And I probably would not have been able to get a group together to play that game. But Board Game Arena, you know, I open up a table and I'm able to find somebody, a group yeah. of people in like five minutes. So yep. it's pretty good.
1: That's cool. Yeah. So. Digital board gaming has definitely come a long way. I'm I'm enjoying the games that we've been playing lately, and I'm glad that even though we're cities away and even though we can't come visit each other, I've got some games that you need to try that I've I've got that we're going to swap out, and you've got some games that you're going to be giving to me. Um we're in a situation where that's just not a reality for a couple of weeks. Right. And so this is a great alternative, you know, being able to chat through hangouts or Skype or whatever, and being able to jump into these digital board games. It's been a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to doing yeah. that more often.
0: And who knows, maybe we'll start doing some, uh, some reviews based just off of our board game arena experience, you know, I think, Who knows? yeah, I think that, know, that would be some... interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 So,
0: Awesome, Ryan. Well, you know, that is going to wrap up our show. Um, You know, I know people want to hear us more, but, you know, there's plenty of options. We've got so many episodes that you can go back and listen to of this show before we went insane. They're probably better. Um, So you should check that out. And, of course, you know, we're getting near episode 50 on Will It Game, so um, that's definitely, you know, some, it's hours and hours worth of content. I'd say at least... 20 minutes of entertainment out of those hours right like 25 yeah
1: statistically 25 you know
0: yeah So. so you know go check that out you've got some time sitting around listen to some podcasts we've been doing some live streams and we're trying to come up with some plans to do some more uh games where you guys can play along we had a great uh playthrough of welcome to that went really well. Um, and so we're talking about different ways we can do things like that. And if you've got some ideas or, you know, some other people that are doing that, let us know and we'll share it out. Um, and also, Hey, if you didn't check out our April 1st posts, we did a really interesting, uh, YouTube video and I wrote a very snarky article that you can read on one board family. (laughs) So there's lots of stuff to uh, keep you entertained. Um, and Ryan, what about all our social media stuff, man,
1: man, social media, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, go to at one board family. And if you jump in now, you'll be able to see as we transition to a brand new logo for the first time in, uh, four years, somewhere around there. So anyway, Uh, um, an upgrade yeah so we've got a new logo that we're moving forward with and so we're going to be uh we're going to be unveiling that over the next couple of uh days and so be sure to stay tuned to that and check us out and uh find all your board gaming desire wants and desires yeah let's say that over at uh why not not? yeah that doesn't sound creepy at all um over at one board family dot com so you can you can find news reviews interviews and of course this podcast over there so yep yeah that will do
0: it rick and indeed and until next time ryan we will see you at at the the table. table where we all bring something to the
1: table. Follow up, up a a chair. chair at punchboardmedia.com.